So this is the Becoming One Church Cast, Episode 3, and it's called An Intro to Biblical Symbolism and the Angels. In this episode, we'll talk about angels and what they are in the Bible, and then we'll talk about the duality and symbolism of the Bible, and especially as that pertains to angels. The Bible is a highly symbolic document with dual meanings. When we read the Bible, we should look to the higher meaning to get the fullest possible truth. And the Bible mentions two kinds of angels, and we'll talk about those and what that's all about. And then we'll talk about spiritual marriage and how that pertains to the angels. And spiritual marriage is not the type of marriage with a tux and a white dress, but it's the higher meaning of marriage in the Bible. And then we'll talk about God's plan and how the angels relate to God's plan in the Bible. Angels are spiritual messengers or word carriers. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word malach, um, transliterated M-A-L-A-K, means messenger, is used for angel, and in the Old Testament, The Greek word transliterated A-G-G-E-L-O-S or angelos, and I might not be pronouncing them right, but um, it also means messenger. And an angel brings the words of God. An angel is a spiritual being. In Hebrews 1-7, the quote is, in speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. Or another translation, Hebrews 1, 7. Regarding the angels, he says, he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. And the angels were created by God the Father. Psalms chapter 148, verse 2 says, Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all the armies of heaven. And verse 5 Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all were created through him and for him. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 9. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? So God is the Father of spirits, or the Father of angels. And a few verses in the Bible even seem to indicate that the angels witnessed the beginning of the creation. The angels are the sons of God, as we see from verses like Hebrews 12 9 where we talk about the father of spirits job chapter 38 verses 4 through 7 god says where were you when i laid the foundation of the earth tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements surely you know or who stretched the line upon it on what words base is sunk or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of god shouted for joy And here, the sons of God would be the angels. Angels were created by God. They're the messengers of God. They were closely associated with the word of God. They gave the word of God. 
to Abraham, to Hagar, to Jacob, to Moses, to Joshua, to Gideon, many others. God speaks through the angels in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 2 it says for if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast God speaks through the angels so what else does the Bible say about angels and spirits it says they themselves have no flesh or bones in Luke chapter 24 verse 39 the resurrected Jesus says Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. So spirits themselves don't have flesh or bones. They're also often represented in the Bible by burning flames. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7 says, Regarding the angels, he says, He sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. Or another translation of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. And burning flames have no particular form, but they do have a position. They exist in a certain area. Job chapter 4 verses 15 through 16 shows us that spirits and angels don't have a form. It says, Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before my eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice. So, he couldn't comprehend any form, but there was a spiritual image before his eyes. Um, Jesus would make allegory between spirit and the wind, and says as you can't see the wind, so you can't see spirit. Something spiritual is not easily detectable by the senses. Spirit is like the air. You cannot see the air, but you can see the effect of, of the wind. Spirit is invisible, but it affects the behavior of humans. So from the Bible, we learn that spirits or angels are physically formless modes of energy or powers with spatial location, with self-consciousness, and with mental ability. If you want to read more about this online on our website, currently free, um, is the Becoming One Church's God Papers. Angels, Spirits, and the Word of God, Chapter 3. This whole chapter is available free online as of this recording and many other chapters too. I can't guarantee that it's always going to be like that, but um, you can read in depth with scriptural citation about what angels and spirits are, and that's at um, www.becomingone.org in the book section and just look for the chapter to see if it's available. So duality. What can the duality and the symbolism of the Bible teach us about angels? If you look at Job chapter 33 verse 14, for God speaks once yet twice, though people do not perceive it. For God speaks once yet twice, though people do not perceive it. This is referring to how sometimes in the Bible, many times in the Bible, something is, is being talked about, but it's actually representative 
also of something with a higher meaning. Something physical represents something spiritual. So God's speaking about the physical or the writers in the Bible are writing about something physical, but there's a higher meaning that's spiritual. If there's a secret to reading the Bible, it's that the Bible is dual. There is type and anti-type. There are events and words in the Bible that have dual meanings. One meaning is the physical meaning. The other meaning is a spiritual meaning. The physical meaning is the typical rendition. The spiritual meaning is the anti-typical rendition. And also others um, besides the Becoming One Church have pointed out the duality in the Bible, of course. And Paul in the New Testament as well has pointed to this duality. When you read the Bible like this, it makes things come alive and provides a certain clarity absent from the Bible if you fail to see its duality and the breadth and depth of its duality. This gives it a certain clarity and the Bible can even interpret itself. Uh, the duality of the Bible consists of types and anti-types. A type is an event, person, thing, symbol in the Bible that represents some spiritual truth. The spiritual truth is the anti-type of the type. Uh, for example, the Old Testament describes the Passover lamb, and the New Testament tells us that the true or real Passover lamb is Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, Paul, in his letter Hebrews, tried to explain the duality of the Bible. He didn't use the word duality when he was explaining it, but he was explaining the duality of the Bible. He spoke of a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven, and that's why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle to make sure he made it exactly to the pattern that was shown him on the mountain. So Paul is saying that Moses built a temple that was a pattern of a tabernacle, of a temple in heaven. So what does that mean? Um, in the Bible, you can actually... When the word heaven is used, you can interchange it with the word spiritual. And so Paul is saying that Moses made his physical tabernacle according to the pattern of a heavenly or spiritual tabernacle. And the items in the temple are actually representative of the entire creation. If you really get into it, everything in the temple has a higher meaning and is representative of part of God's plan. And I'll, I'll give you a couple examples from that in a minute or so. Paul explains that Christ didn't go into the physical temple, but the real temple, a more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. Christ didn't, eat, didn't enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, the spiritual dimension, to appear in God's presence. The temple Moses built was merely a copy of the real or true tabernacle in heaven. Paul tells us that much of the Old Testament that's called the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming and not the realities themselves. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 
says, for the law is only a shadow of the good things to come, not the realities themselves. It can never, by the same sacrifices offered year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Paul tells us that the things written in the Old Testament were types or examples for us. Types or examples for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, we read, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Or another translation, These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So the Bible is a dual document that has a double meanings and you want to look to the highest meaning to get the fullest possible truth. Paul tells us that the invisible qualities of God can be understood by the things that that God has made. Um, for instance, in Romans chapter 1 verses 19 through 20, it says, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So you can look at the physical world to get a better understanding of the spiritual world. You can look to the, the higher meaning in the Bible for the fullest truth. Things in the Bible like marriage, being born, women, water stars, they all have a higher meaning, a spiritual meaning. For instance, water uh, is representative of a spirit. In John chapter 7, verses 38 through 39, it says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Unquote. So right there in, in John chapter 7, it says by referring to the water that he meant the Spirit. So then you can see there that there was a higher meaning. So look to the higher meaning when reading the Bible. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So look to the higher meaning when you read the Bible. Um, the temple and the tabernacle, everything in that is representative of something spiritual, something higher, something in the spiritual plan of creation. For instance, the golden altar of incense in the holy place, placed before the holy of holies, atoned with the blood of the sin offering once a year. In this, incense equals prayer. If you look at Revelation chapter 8, verse 3, Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him, so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Moving on into verse 4. So the golden altar of incense 
represents the prayers of the saints in the temple. And another one is the golden candlestick lit by Aaron and his sons. The candlestick is Christ's body or the church. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The stars are angels. And the seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven churches. So there you have something physical representing something spiritual, type and anti-type, or the brass water basin for Aaron and his sons to wash their hands and feet. Well, water equals spiritual water or spirit. Christ was anointed and washed by the Spirit of God. Christ's sons are washed and anointed by God's Spirit also. For instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So the brass water basin where Aaron and his sons washed their hands and feet, hands and feet, are symbolic of spiritual water or spirit. The water equals spirit. So you look to the higher meaning. And the most important symbolism for this uh, church cast is that stars are symbolic of angels. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 14 it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and years. So the stars are signs. What kind of a sign? Uh, signs represent something else, and as I mentioned earlier in describing the candlesticks in the temple, uh, Revelation chapter 1 verse 20 straight up says that stars are symbolic of angels. It says the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. So when you look to the higher meaning in the Bible and it's talking about stars, it, that also means it's talking about angels. And um, also, everyone has their own angel. Everyone becomes a son of God begotten by the Spirit. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 10 talks about, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So the Spirit dwells in people. Spirits are angels. You get your own angel. And also, um, there is in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And Romans 8, verse 14, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God in Matthew chapter 18 verse 10 it says beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly father and the Greek word translated as there means of oneself so uh, Christians here have angels that are of themselves they have a spirit that dwells in them Everyone has their own angel, and um, and here we're talking specifically about 
Christians, but um, the Becoming One Church sees uh, sees the Bible as showing laying out a plan where everyone eventually has an angel of God that leads the way for them in the great plan of creation. So everybody gets their own angel. So everyone has their own angel, but there are also there are two types of angels mentioned in the Bible, two kinds of angels. Um, there are good angels and bad angels. Matthew 25:31 says, "When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, um, it talk, it's talking about the holy angels of God. And first Timothy chapter 5 verse 21 says, I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality. So it's talking about there being elect angels, and we know Christians are also called the elect in the Bible. So we're talking here again about good angels, elect angels, and um, and if you followed some of our podcasts, you know that the Becoming One Church believes in the great integration and a universal salvation, but that we're on the potter's wheel and this is a spiritual creation and we're not finished yet. So, and that this time here and now is to learn about uh, good and evil, opposite qualities that need each other to be known and that by doing this we can fully enjoy paradise. So um, we talk about the elect and Christians and this is all temporary because eventually we're all like Jesus Christ through Christ's sacrifice for us that wasn't in vain because nobody is discarded. So this one, this first type of angels are the good angels and Psalms chapter 103 verses 20 to 21 describe them as having great power and serving God's will and carrying out his commandments. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. And that's talking about the good angels. But then the Bible also talks about evil angels, bad angels, um, Matthew chapter 25 verse 41 says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the Aeonian fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So that talks about the devil having a certain um, set of angels that are his. And Jude chapter 1 verse 6 says, And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with age-lasting chains for judgment on the great day. So these, this verse talks about angels who've gone astray from God. And Jude chapter 1 verse 13 
says there wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved for the age um wandering stars we know that stars are angels these are wandering angels who've wandered away from god and rebelled against him evil angels and the bible also points to the idea that one-third of the angels have gone over to Satan's side. They're the evil angels. Um, Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9 says, I'm talking about these um, bad angels. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. This talks about the devil having his own set of angels. In Revelation um, chapter 12, verse 4, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. So we know the stars mean angels. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon. So the third part of the stars, a third of the angels belong to Satan. And I didn't think we could talk about an intro to biblical symbolism and angels like this, and the angels like this podcast is called, without going into this whole other set of angels, the evil angels that the Bible very clearly talks about. Um, and also, when Jesus is talking to to the bad spirits, to demons, these are who he's talking to, these spirits torment humans on earth. Um, they, they tempt us, and uh, here are some verses about Jesus and the, the demons, which are basically the bad angels who've gone over to Satan's, Satan's team. So here we have an interaction in Matthew chapter 8, verse 29, um, between Jesus and demons, or uh, a bad angel bad angels. They began screaming at him. Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? So you have um, bad angels yelling at Christ. Why have you come here before the time appointed for us to be tortured? Uh, Luke chapter 4 verses 33 through 37 go like this. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him! Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are! With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. So that's an impure spirit, a bad angel, being, or angels being cast out of a person. Um, and that also shows the, the other class of angels. And as you... Um, saw earlier the one-third of the angels end up going over to the, the wrong team. Um, 
so what does this mean? What, what is the purpose of these bad angels? What are they here for? Um, and even the Bible, the Becoming One Church sees um, a, a purpose of integration in the spiritual creation and maintains that even these um, spirits are eventually subjected to Christ and come over to the view that God is right and repent that the whole creation integrates and since everyone has their own angel and a third of the angels are bad well, what, what does that mean well when the bad angels repent they become fused with um, the third of mankind that never lived long enough to learn about evil um, maybe you ask yourself um, in your own faith, why do children die? Um, why, wh why do horrible things happen to children? Why do children pass away? Um, and some studies even show a third of first pregnancies end in miscarriage. Well, what's the plan for these people? And and becoming one church thinks that these repented angels fuse with the the humans who never got to learn about evil in a great last day uh, resurrection after the thousand year reward for Christians everybody is resurrected and repents even the bad angels because you get to see how wonderful the kingdom of God was and the other angels see this and realize the error of their ways when they're loosed from their thousand-year bondage. And the Bible is very clear about a thousand-year bondage for the devil. So that would be um, part of the great plan of creation, the great integration. And um, that would be the purpose for this class of angel, this, this set of angels that are just awful evil beings and of course you know if you don't believe in the bible or what it says then it, you know this is very easy for you to dismiss and because they're like angels demons yeah whatever but if you do believe in the bible and you have to start wondering what well, what is the purpose what are these these um evil spirits for like what 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 is going on here it's very weird all the verses about um evil spirits and to the modern person who hasn't had any kind of like otherworldly experience these verses are just very strange we chalk everything up to science and science is great but a lot of us believe there is evil in the world and evil influences and temptation and um, when we say the purpose for that is to learn about good and evil the knowledge of good and evil this is a spiritual creation but whether you believe that or not um, there's still a great explanation for for evil and where it comes from when you realize a third of the angels have rebelled against God. 
So back to symbolism and duality in the Bible, um, God has made the physical to be a type of the spiritual or the true reality as we've seen. And a physical marriage between a man and a woman prefigures the true marriage of Christ to his bride, the church, or on another level of everyone to their own spirit where two become one um, humanity fused with the spirit of God, um, an angel. And Revelation chapter 19 verse 7 it says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So this is talking about Christ and his bride, the church. So more symbolism um, on what marriage means. It's talking about the uniting of the human and the divine, the human and the spirit of God to become one with their angel. And God is the husband of Israel in the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament, or the Becoming One Church, um, says the name of God is I will be rather than I am, or um, can also be translated the Becoming One. So in the Old Testament, the Becoming One is pictured as the husband of the Israelite people. For your maker is your husband. The Becoming One of hosts is his name. In Isaiah 54, the physical union of marriage is described in Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 as therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh so since the physical is representative of the spiritual this is when humans are fused with the spirit of God they it's it's like a marriage when Christ with his bride, the church, is like a marriage. We look to the higher meaning to get the fullest meaning of the scriptures and to best understand. And then um, Paul used an analogy between a woman in marriage and the church in marriage in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. And we're not going to get hung up on the part about a wife submit to your own husbands because we're going to look to the higher meaning of this verse um, where we're talking about Christ and the church. You know, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, you know, let each of you love his wife as himself. So this is symbolism again, and it, it refers to the the spiritual marriage of Christ and his bride, the church, or um, everyone's fusion with their own angel of God, where you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, as verses in the Bible point to the, the, the two becoming one, the two, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit becoming one with, with humanity, with people. So if you get stuck on the lower meaning in the Bible, you're going to miss the higher truths and some of the more beautiful and eloquent truths that the Bible has to offer. We, uh, we want to look to the higher meaning. The Bible tells us to look to the highest meaning, to the spiritual meaning, that the physical is a foreshadowing and a type of the spiritual, of the anti-type. And 
when you do this, you get a clearer idea of God's plan, of his great cycle, this great integration um, where everything came out of God and everything goes back into God. Um, the integration of the angels with humanity, of the divine with the human, and it's a, a beautiful plan and a beautiful story. And if you want to read more about it, you can go to www.becomingone.org and look at the books. So we link to some of the chapters from the website for free of um, God, God is the Becoming One by Walter Dolan, and Love is the New Mind, the New Law is Love, also by Walter Dolan. And so there you have it, um, an intro to biblical symbolism and the angels. And um, if you look to the higher meaning, it reveals so much more about um God's plan and the spiritual creation and how this isn't just some kind of a mistake. The creation's not a mistake that went off the rails. It was all meant to be this way. And it's a time of sacrifice so that we can finish our spiritual creation with the knowledge of good and evil. And then we can eat from the tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden. And once we do that, we'll be born again of God. We'll be fused with our Holy Spirit. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. So there you go, in the spirit of love.